Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Our precious Father, we just want to thank you again for this hour. We know that you are ready for us. You always love to teach us. We trust you with this minute that, Lord, you will move for us and come true for us. That your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we are having this theme of this conference. We really are focusing on, uh, you know, we started to talk about our, uh, what we are freely given to us in Christ Jesus. And so we moved down to healing, which is part of what we are freely given. And the theme we have, however, is he healed us all. He healed us all. And the text comes from Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirit with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. All of them. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, he took our sicknesses, removed our diseases. Now, in order to go on, we need to really... um, Remind us the importance of listening. Uh, since we did this in the couples room, I came to realize that actually listening is really a big, a huge issue. In Luke chapter 6, verse 17, it says, When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, 18. They had come to hear him, number one, and to be healed of their diseases. And Jesus also cast out many of evil spirits. Everyone tried to touch him because because healing power went out of him and he healed everyone. They came to first hear him. First. When we got saved, there were a lot of miracles happening in that place, so many people were not interested in hearing. When we come to church, we're waiting for that hour when the man of God will start praying for miracles. It's not like that. You must hear to be healed. In Acts 20, 32, and so now, I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace, which he provides as a spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. Through the message of his grace, all of God's blessings are given to us, are imparted to us. And if we don't hear, we don't get it. If we don't hear, we don't get it. The beginning of a powerful life of miracle, a supernatural life, is to start hearing. If we don't honor the word of God, it won't work for you. It won't work for you. And so let's talk again about the things that the enemy uses to cause roadblock, to hinder us from accepting our healing, accepting deliverance, accepting the blessings of God. Number one is questioning God's will to heal you personally. Oh no, it's easy to say God heals. We can all agree with that. 
many good, wonderful Christians. We can sing about it, and we really believe that God heals, but when it comes to me, the enemy tries to question you if it's God's will to heal you. But the answer comes straight out of the theme for this conference. The theme said, and he healed them all. If he healed them all, he goes to say that that's his will, to heal you. For God is no respecter of persons. Matthew 8, 16. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and healed all the sick. So it is his will to heal you. Look at this scripture in Hebrews 10, 7. Then I said, look, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scripture. Jesus said, I came to do the will of God. So if he healed them all, then that's the will of God, and that will include you and me. So in Mark 1.40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed, if you are willing. This man wasn't sure if Jesus was willing to heal him. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. And he said, he said, verse 41, moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him, I am willing, he said. He heal, be healed, I am willing. And what Jesus said to that man, he says to you, says to me, I am willing, I want you well. So there can be no doubt as to if he wants to heal you, because he wants to heal you. He's saying to you and me, I am willing. Be healed now. I want to well now, not tomorrow. Then the other thing the devil throws at us is, am I qualified? Just like he tries to hinder us from receiving the good things that God wants us to have. Am I qualified? Looks like it's only for good people. Or when I get good enough, God will now heal me. Well, every blessing of God is unmerited. There's no blessing of God that you can pay for. It's all unmerited. It's an act of grace. Comes only through the merit of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through the merit of any human being. Healing is free. Never earned, so you qualify. I qualify. It's never earned. So you qualify, and I qualify. Free. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. So healing is always free. Healing is always free. All the blessings of God are free. The Bible said that the Holy Spirit came to show us the things that are freely given to us. There is nothing God gives you that is not free. All of it is free. So you are qualified. If the devil says you are not qualified, then that makes you even more qualified. Because it's for those who have nothing to pay. But those who think they can pay will never smell it. Because no blessing of God is up for sale. None of it is up for sale. It's freely given. 
So then, does sickness come from God to teach us lessons to be better people? Let me simply ask a question. Do you make your children sick to make them better people? If you don't do that, how do you belittle God to credit that kind of thing to God? If you being a human being know that better, how can you think that God, smarter than you, that made you, will also be, be doing that kind of thing? If you cannot make your children sick to make them better, why should God make you sick to make you better? And so the devil is working hard to convince many people that God is the source of all the calamities on earth. And they have bought into it. They believed him. That every evil that happens, they call it an act of God. Even insurance people. My brother, your insurance. You know what I'm saying? Every evil that happens, the world calls it an act of God. They bought into it. It's official. It's, it's in their books. They bought into this lie of Satan. Fortunately, some well-meaning Christians have also bought into that. The enemy has deceived them. So they say, why? Oh, why did God stop all the wars in this world? Well, how can God stop all the wars in this world? God says, love your enemy. You won't listen. If you love our enemies, there won't be war. But we don't listen to him. And we turn around and say, hey, where is God? He should have stopped all the wars. If we listen to him, love your enemy, do good to those that hate you, there won't be one single war anywhere. They want to blame him because the devil is confusing people. He's a liar. That's what he does. Oh, the hunger everywhere, hunger. Greed brings all these things. Some richer nations, they, they take everything. And they pulls all manner of stuff on the poorer ones. And when we live, they live in total disregard to God's word. And wonder why these things are happening. Because we are not listening to it. They blame God for, stop, for not stopping this, for not doing this. First of all, in Garden of Eden, there was no sickness there. There was no calamity there. God never created anything and called Adam and said, I gave you this for healing. None. God never said, see this tree? It's to heal you when you get sick. No. Created it for food. For food. There's no provision for healing in that place. So God didn't create sickness when he created the earth. It wasn't part of his plan for mankind. Look at Matthew uh, 4.23. And Jesus went ab about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of diseases among the people. God is doing what needs to be done to heal the people. Bring them health. If sickness came from God, then Jesus is disobeying God by healing all the people. He's walking contrary to God. 
And he said, I came to do the will of God. But we know that he's not walking, was never walking contrary to God. For he says, I and my father are one. So if Jesus was healing people, it means that sickness didn't come from God. Didn't come from God. We also notice that personal sin can sometimes give the devil a platform to cause sickness in the life of people. Just as the Bible told us that it is sin that brought death. Sin introduced sickness. It is sin that brought death. Let me say it again. It is sin. The sin of Adam brought death. So in the same process, some personal sin can bring sickness. In John 5, 14, but afterward Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. You see this man is very mischievous. When, they, when Jesus healed him, they, they called him in the, in the synagogue and said, hey, who healed you? This Sabbath, this shouldn't happen. He knew they were looking for the person that healed him. So immediately he saw Jesus, he went back to them and said, I found him. What was he doing? You can grab him, but I'm not the one. But Jesus healed him and said, hey, stop all these things you're doing. Let something worse comes to you. Quit means personal sin not always, so be careful here. So we don't create guilt and then where there is, create a problem where it doesn't need to be. Sometimes, not always. Personal sin can open the door to the devil to afflict us. That's what Jesus was implying right here. So sickness, again, is oppression of the devil. Acts 10 to 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You see, God was with him, was with him and healing all. Which means it's God's will to heal you. It's God's will to, to take away sickness from mankind. So God couldn't have made anybody sick. So he, Jesus was going around doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It's the devil that causes calamities, weather, trouble, all the storms, all the problems. It's the devil. Instead of saying an act of God should be called the act of the devil. Because that's what it is. Luke 13, verse 10. On Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. Did you see that? Crippled by an evil spirit. Crippled by an evil spirit. And you know that Jesus, he healed some, he said, this is dumb and deaf spirit. He made them dumb, he made them deaf. It was the devil. Crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years. You can imagine how long the devil got this woman and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. That's what God does. 
God heals. It's the devil that brings sickness. But you know, there are other sources of sickness that we cause out of our foolishness. The scripture says in Psalm 107, verse 17, fools, because we do some foolishness, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. They are so abhorrent, all manner of meat they can't eat at that point, they've lost appetite, and they draw near unto gates of death because they acted foolishly. You can't violate the natural law that God created. You, nobody has the right to violate natural laws. Only God can. You can't be keeping awake every night. Say you are doing whatever you want to do. You won't sleep well. You are violating natural law. The Bible says that it's time to sleep. The scripture says those that sleep, sleep in the night. But you won't sleep. How would you not have high blood pressure at a point? You deprive yourself what God created for you to be able to rest and get your body to, to uh, clean itself up. It's when we sleep that the, the, the garbage agents in the body go to work, clean up stuff, and then in the morning, some go out through this orifice, some go out through this orifice, and then you have energy to start the day. So when we don't, when we break natural laws, we can weaken our body and cause it to malfunction. When you abuse your body by eating and drinking what harms your body, your organs, will make you sick. Using harmful substances on yourself will make you sick. Everybody's body is not the same. There are people who can tolerate coffee. Some people don't. So don't take it. Leave it alone. Self-medication is abuse of your body. And we do this so often. Once you have, oh, you see, I know that I took that medicine some time ago. You go and look for Mama Ejima. Who has it? Do you still have it? Mama Ejima is not a doctor. Don't look for Mama Ejima. Go to a doctor. Go to a qualified medical doctor. Let him check you out. Listen to me, read good. There are people, God has given knowledge in different areas of life to help humanity. Because if it's waiting for we Christians, we wouldn't develop anything. So there are people God gave knowledge about aviation. That's why you fly. It's benefiting missionaries traveling to preach, benefiting humanity, trade, commerce. There are people God has given knowledge about forestry. So they study the forest and they're able to know the benefit we get from forest. There are people God also gave knowledge about the functions of human body. And he gave that knowledge to benefit us. If God is waiting for when everybody will know the word of God and believe, have faith, half of humanity would die. But God loving us so much, he comes to, he will do everything he can to help us. Because healing you is not even, the, the major thing is to know Christ and, 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 and escape hell. He has to keep you alive. Anyway, he can keep you alive. So that you know Jesus and not end up in hell. So instead of doing self-medication, go to your doctor.
The way you go to your doctor, don't insult them, please. After all, you went there. They are awesome, respectable, respectable professionals. I have my respect for all these hurt people that work for us, all the nurses, all the doctors, all the pharmacists. I'm my pharmacist myself, so I have respect for me too. All the, the people that clean the, 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 the people that clean the floor, make the beds, awesome people, because their service is needed. I have taken somebody to the hospital who vomited on me, my cloth vomited on me several times. The whole God that vomited on me. These people came and cleaned up everything. So their service is needed. So this self-medication is abused because you don't know what, what, why you're doing that. Now you're living a moral life and you get STD. The Bible says fools because of their transgression, because of their Iniquity are afflicted. You get STD. I read of one Christian girl who got STD. It was so bad that the doctors told her that she would never have a baby again. I had the book in my house and she wrote about it. She said, this is what I cost myself. Again, the scripture, they fools because of their transgressions and because of their iniquity are afflicted. So there are things we bring upon ourselves just because we acted foolishly. Now God intervenes. God prom- provides us healing through the cross. And to better understand, you know, the route that God is taking us tonight is not really the route many people are used to. And let's trust God that you'll understand it. So we're going to say some things you know and some things you may not be familiar with, but there are scriptures. So to better understand how God provided healing for us all through our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to understand the law of sin and death. I don't know that it's popular to teach this what I'm saying. People may not have even really had any teaching on this law of sin and death, but it is in the Bible. So you need to understand the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is found in um, Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So that's a law of sin and death. And what's a law? A law is a code of conduct or rule enacted by the Congress or enacting body authorized to do that, that is binding on all. It's binding. And it's enforced by the agent authorized to enforce it. Two key words about it. It's binding on all and it's enforceable. That's a law. So when we, the Bible says there's a law, it means this law is binding and it's enforceable. So in this law of sin and death, there are two aspects of it that the scripture reveals to us. Number one, it says that sin kills. 
He said, no. You don't have to change it in with no. Sin kills. Sin, S-I-N, kills. It's a law. Romans 8.10. And if Christ is in you, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. You see, this natural body is dead. And the reason it's dead because of its sinful nature. It's a law. Sinful nature dies. See, this body is dead and they gave the reason because of sin. It's a law. That sin on its own kills. The Bible calls sin the mystery of iniquity. That kills. But that it kills the body doesn't mean that you have to die of sickness. It doesn't mean that. All it means is that every human being will finally die. Every human being. Because of this. But you don't have to die of sickness. But finally, finally, one day, you will take your exit. That's what they say. That this body is dead because of sin. And the Bible says that this body is getting older and getting weaker and everything, but the spirit is getting stronger. So sin on its own brings decay. Do you know any country where there is corruption, where there is no decay? Any country where there is corruption in the government everywhere, that country never progresses. It brings decay of everything. Decay of everything. Nothing works there. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin. The sting of death. So if death wants to kill somebody, we sting it like scorpion. We sin. Romans 5, 12. When Adam sinned, death entered the world. Why? Sin on its own causes death. Death entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So whoever sin operates, death comes, brought death. And death spread to everyone, for everyone sin. Before sin came, there was no sickness anywhere. No death anywhere. And the second part of this law of sin and death, remember I told you, I said we're going to uncharted territory, but it's Bible. We're going to explain more of that as we go on. The second aspect of this law is that sin demands death as penalty. First one is that sin on its own causes death. It's a law. And there's no nothing about it. That's the way sin acts. Number two is that sin demands death as penalty. That's why it will cause death. Remember that law is something that is binding and enforceable. 2 Corinthians 3, 7. But if the administration of death, that's why the law is called the administration of death. Because it's the law that gives the sin its strength. 
the law is one that prescribes the soul that sin it, it shall die. And the law, well, the law is the knowledge of sin. So the Holy Spirit called it ministration of death. Ezekiel 18.4 Behold, all souls are mine, as the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sin it, it shall what? Die. Who said that? God. Shall die. Verse 20. The soul that sin it, it shall die again. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. The wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So it's an individual thing. So you can, if you do your own, I'm not dying for you. You carry on. So sin demands death as penalty. And then the unfortunate thing is that scripture now says that we were all under sin. And under that judgment, Romans 3, 9. What then? Are we better than they know? In no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written. There is none righteous. No, not one. Under sin. And remember what we say. If a law is binding and is enforced. You know who enforces this? The devil. It's a killer. So because of this law, he has legal right. Just like Adam gave him legal right over this earth. He didn't have it before. And he told Jesus, he said, you know these things were given to me. And it was given to him by Adam. So this thing gave him again legal right to execute death. And then sickness is a process that ends in death unless it's stopped. So you can say that sickness is death in progress. So in book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself became likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, him had the power of death, had power of death, had authority of death. He had it. Power of death. That is the devil, just in case you don't know who he's talking about. Verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. All their lifetime there was bondage because all have sinned on that sin and this, the law says the soul that sinned must what? Under bondage. And the Bible talks about fear of this thing because no solution. No solution. Remember, the Bible said that when sin came, when death came, it spread to all men. All men. And the scripture told us that death now reigned, became the monarchy. Because it has a legal law on which it's operating. So sickness could do anything. Sickness could do anything. 
Larry could stop it. A, something really misses is your boss. Romans 5.17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned. Death reigned. Death reigned. By one. Much more, the day which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. By one man's face, death was reigning with the boss. The devil was rampaging, doing what they liked. Then God intervened and stopped it. That's why I say you should understand the law of sin and death. So you will understand how God intervened and stopped sickness and stopped the death and stopped Satan in your life. When you understand it, understand the legal grounds on which sickness can't attack you, you'll be able to stand strong. Are you following me up to this point? Do I have to go back? Are we okay? Okay, fine. So God intervened and ended the reign of death and reign of Satan and reign of sickness, just put it to a stop. So God there with these two aspects of this law of sin and death with one stone. God, you know, truth has always been powerful. The, the, the Bible said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? It has always been the truth. The word of God was not invented today. It has always been there. In the beginning was the word. It has always been there. And so God gave Israel a revelation that, hey, let me tell you purpose. You see this sin that you are afraid of and sin and death? Let me give you the answer. If you do this, it stops. If you do this, pump stops. Can't do anything anymore. Really? Yeah. But we're afraid of you. No, you don't have to. <laughs> if you just do this one thing, you, it comes to screeching and pump. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Remember that sin demands death. And sin on its own produces death. So he said, but for the life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. What is atonement? To atone is to pay in full for something. To pay in full. It demands death. It says with this blood you can pay it in full and they can't touch you anymore. He said, I gave it to you. I said the soul that didn't die, die, but now I'm telling you this is the answer to this thing. Make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that make it an atonement for the soul, nothing else. That's why righteousness can't come by any other means. Yeah, it's just the blood. Then let me read New Living Translation. For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for a life, exchange for a life that makes purification possible. God says the answer to that sin is you give something in exchange for your life that pays for your life, and that stops it. So, death 
stopped raining <laughs> because God has provided uh, the answer. Now look at Romans 5.14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not seen after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. They reigned from Adam to where? He stopped with Moses. He stopped on his track with Moses. Before Moses was reigning, but they stopped right there. When God gave them this revelation, they stopped reigning. Sickness stopped reigning. Satan stopped. So the blood paid for man's sin. The blood paid that demand of penalty. The blood paid for it in full. And so God gave it to Moses and told Moses, use it. It will protect you from agent of death, protect you from sickness, protect you from the devil. It will protect you. Remember that the devil had the power of death. Executing a law is binding and enforceable. So he was enforcing it. Legally. Spiritual things are done on legal grounds. That's why you deal with the wise of the devil. He tries to outwit you. But you bring the scriptures and outwit him. That's what we're dealing with. Exodus 12, 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, remember I told them, I've given you this blood now to atone for your sins. So when you use it, sin and every process of death stops, can't touch you. So now practically he's telling them, put it and use it. So for, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will do what? So they found the answer to it. What? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he said, I gave it to you for atoning for your sin. Once you, that blood is shed, the process of death, the avenger for sin can't, can't, can't because you don't owe it anything. You don't owe it nothing. I mean, if I'm owing you, I pay for you. We can't come for me. It's done. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. Now, this house is important because, you know, you need to be also in the house. You need to be, you need to be in Christ. You need to trust the Lord and not be walking around everywhere looking for the solution. You need to have your faith in Christ. You shall be in the house so you have the covering. Your faith must be in the blood, not in every other thing. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. And the plague, somebody shout hallelujah here. But are you following me here? And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. The rain of death has come to screeching hot. It's over. God said, I gave you this thing to deal with sin, deal with death, deal with sickness, deal with Satan. Plague can't. We never. I'm telling you this because I'm God. He said, you do it and see what happens. He said, 
and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Why would the plague come? Sin brought death and brought plague. Because it's, see this blood, there's life in it. Once it's shed, death has happened. So they can't, they can't. there's nothing again. You're owing them nothing. And do you know how powerful it is that God told them to enact this process as, as, a, as a festival? You know, He led them all through 40 years. Except when they refused to believe God. All they were required to do was believe God. They refused, to, God said, they, they won't believe me. They will not believe what I'm telling you. You need to be in the, in the house, you need to believe what God has said. Look at Psalm 105, verse 37. He brought Israel forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribe, not one. Think of it, people. God said, you see this blood, it will keep you protected. And they had that feast to remember, to do it, to enact it again. And they kept them, not one was feeble. Bread and think of it. Some of them were 80 years old. Not one was what? Feeble. Not one. No plague, no sickness, not, not one. Because God told them, let me give you the answer to sin. It's the blood. You shed it on the altar. So the rain of death came to a screeching halt with Moses, stopped. Now we are in the New Testament. Now we're on a journey. Are you enjoying this trip? Now we're in the New Testament now. Maybe the brother of animal could stop plague. Could stop that. If you could stop that, what would the blood of Jesus do? So the scripture tells the church, we are in the church age. Unfortunately, many people do not understand what the gospel means and the dispensation in which they live. You know, a young man sent me a text that blessed me. He said, Pastor, it's unfortunate that people who go to church think they are the same with the Old Testament prophets. They think they are the same with them. He said, what we have, they were yearning for it. The Bible said they were yearning for this thing, and the scripture said to them, it's not for you. We are sons and daughters of God, man. We don't have the spirit of this. Jesus said, the least in the kingdom is greater than all of them. Greater than all of them. We have a peculiar relationship with God. Sit there with Christ. We are in heavenly places with God. This young man sent me and said, Pastor, it's a tragedy. I said, yeah, that's true. Absolutely true. On Sunday, by the grace of God, I'll give our brother okay, a few minutes to share what God told him about some of these things so that people know that the truth is the truth. Hebrews 8 says, but now, 
had he, had he obtained a more excellent ministry than Moses' ministry. More excellent. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. The more powerful blood than the blood of bulls and animals. And the blood of bulls and animals was so limited, but it stopped plague. It stopped plague. Hebrews 10, 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Yet it stopped plague. Then in Hebrews 9, 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of and health are sprinkling the unclean, sanctifying to purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? God said, you bring that blood to the altar. Jesus brought his blood to the altar. Heavenly altar. You know who brought it for? For you. Brought it for you. You know who he brought it for? For you. Brought it for you. Why? So the plague and death and Satan will never again have power over you. The power of death have been stripped of him. Can I hear amen? amen? Remember Leviticus 17, verse 11? For the life of the body is in its blood. I have given you the blood. God said, I gave you this thing. The blood on the altar. Jesus entered heaven with his blood on the real altar. To purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for life that makes purification possible. What we're talking about is that Jesus paid in full for the demand of penalty. You see, I'm guilty, so you die. Jesus said, No, I die for him. The blood. That blood is for him. For him. So, what do you think they would do? Oh, sorry, I came to the wrong place. Revelation 5 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. Redeemed means painful. If, 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 if I give you this thing, if I want to redeem it, I pay you and take it back. The blood shed in exchange for your life sets you free from sin, purifies you, stops all this process of death. And it says, For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and I have made us unto our God kings and priests 
That's who we are. That's who we are. Elijah was never this. John the Baptist was never this. We are the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Jesus. That's who we are. Can I hear him? One time the Lord was asking me, he said, no, do, do you know why when, when the, those disciples of John came to Jesus and said, okay, all right, praise the Lord. See how this blood and what this blood did when he went to the altar for you and me. Hebrews 9:11. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven. Tabernacle in heaven. God said, that blood on the altar. Jesus said, yeah, I'm coming to the real altar. Tabernacle in heaven. He has entered the greater and more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood. God said, I gave it to you on the altar. Exchange for your life. That will stop death, stop sin, stop all of those things. I gave it to you. I, God, decreed it so. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Secured it. Unchangeable. This blood was on the real altar, man. Heaven saw it. Devil saw it. Totally secured. Nailed down. Never to change. For eternity. Never. Completely secured. Paid in full. The blood has come to the altar. And God said, Yeah, that's the means to, re- to redeem you. That's the means to purify you. That's the means to pay for all these things. There's nothing required of you to pay anymore. It's been paid in full. Redeemed. Completely redeemed. Ephesians 1.6 says, So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom from, with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Purchased it. Paid in full. Already purchased Eternally paid, secured, sealed, delivered. People from all nations, all tongues, everywhere. Healing available. He healed them all. He brought it and said, oh, you can be healed. You can be healed. You can be healed. You can be healed. Paid in full. And the blood is still speaking for us because it was shed on the altar. The mystery of life is that God said the blood of Abel was talking. And the Holy Spirit said the blood of Jesus is talking. 
There's some message you can't explain, but that's what God said. He said, that blood is talking, is intervening for you, still talking for you. On your behalf, on that altar, is talking. What is he saying? Hebrews 12, 24, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people. Why? Because it is his blood. And to the sprinkled blood. Oh, man, he said, look, church members, Christians, let me tell you where you are. You have come to Jesus the one who mediates this new covenant between God and you with his blood. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. So that's where you are. The Bible says, who has believed our report? See, you have come. God said, how to stop this thing? This reign of death comes to screeching heart. Can now say they say grace now reigns. Death is no more reigning. Grace now reigns. Like I told the women, he's dead. He's our dead. When he died, we died. <laughs> I mean, if I if he died for me, I died. So I don't owe anything. The soul that sinned shall die is not for me. Because I already died in Christ. How many times will I die for sin? And even in this country. In this country, they call it double jeopardy. You can't punish somebody for the same thing twice. Not in this country, where we live. Even they know about it. So how can you expect me to pay twice for what I paid already? Are you kidding me? In Colossians 2, 13, still knows that the blood not just paid in full, but washed us clean. What? Man, washed us clean. So there's no grounds at all. In Colossians 2.30, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins, not some. Verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us, took it away by nailing it on the cross. In this way, in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by the victory over, over them on the cross. He took, it, it was sin that gave him the authority to be, to be the, you know, the power of death. When the sin was taken away, he was disarmed. Completely disarmed. What else did they trust in? It's sin. Sin kills, the sin that sinners shall die. So the man started enforcing the law because the law is binding and enforceable. But when, when he comes to me and goes to you and looks at you, you don't see any sin. What is that to enforce? What? The scripture says that blood is talking, is pleading forgiveness for you and me. That's why we come to the throne of grace boldly. He called it the throne of grace because he's pleading forgiveness. You don't merit it, I don't merit it, but there's a voice speaking for me and saying, I paid for it. I paid for it. I paid for him. I paid for him. This blood was given in exchange for his life. 
And the Bible says no more sacrifices needed. This is only sacrifice. If you like, fast for your sin, what's your thing? There is nothing you do about sin. Sin has only one answer, solution, is that blood. Without that blood, there's no forgiveness of what? Nothing. You know, I ran into a sister, a wonderful sister. He called me, I was on my own. Called me, said, said Pastor. Pastor, I'm crying. You know? yeah, I've never even gotten out of the I said, hey, crying, what did you do? He said, Pastor, you don't know what I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. I said, since when you haven't gotten out of your room? I said, please stay in there. Don't call me again, stay there. I told for your sin, I go ahead, cry. Waste your time. I said, this is utter ignorance. I said, even that thing you're you crying for, you do it again. Because that's not the way out. I say, you want to impress me, <laughs> you know, how good you are. I'm not impressed. Because you just killed my joy. I thought you called me for something awesome, so we can rejoice and bless the Lord, telling me all this kind of thing. I don't like hanging out with unbelieving believers. All those fire extinguishers, I don't like hanging out with them. If you don't have praise report, leave me alone. We bring the sacrifice of praise into... The, you know, if she called me and started like that, I join her. I said, sister, bring it on, man. What did Jesus do today? <laughs> what did Jesus do today? I will share that. I will start praying. I, I, one of my cousins in Canada called me. We started talking for two hours. We didn't know when we prayed for more than one I'm not kidding. We were talking and sharing scripture. We started praying. He said, brother, I, need, I feel like singing. I said, go ahead. And we started to sing and pray, pray in the spirit. One hour after one hour. Praying. That's the people I want to hang out with, not fire extinguishers. By talking of Jesus and New Testament, they are talking of Old Testament. I don't talk about it. No more sacrifice needed. That blood has gone to the altar. What, what, what sacrifice again? Praise the Lord. Are you following me? Are we on the same page? You know, this is, we are progressing by Sunday, by the grace of God, you see why it doesn't work for many people. You will see why it doesn't work. It's very simple. Got to be in the house. If they left that house, they would die. If they left that house, God said, don't leave this house. Stay here. So the blood covers you. This mark on the lantern. You stay in faith in Christ. Stay in faith in that blood. Romans said we have faith in that blood. Oh no, they want to do rituals here. Rituals there. And more rituals there. Just wasting time. Isaiah 53.4 Surely our sicknesses he had borne. Yep. And our pains, he had carried them. And we, we had esteemed him plagued, smitten of God and afflicted. And he is pierced for our transgressions. That blood was shed for our transgressions, bruised 
for iniquity, the chastisement of our peace on him, and by that bruise, that, that bleeding, there is healing for us. But the same sacrifice that took away our sin, the same sacrifice took away sickness. The same, not another. One time the Lord said to me, say, if you deny your healing in Christ, you are denying your, your, the, the power of the blood. You are denying the power of the blood. He told me, he said, the same sacrifice that took away your sin took away your sickness. Because it's the same sacrifice that stopped the plague. The same blood. When he was smitten, made sick. The Bible says, please God to smite him and make him sick. Make him sick. He was smitten. He had pain. He had all that. He said, that, it, because of your sin, he was smitten. And when that blood was shed, it was shed for your sin. And then there's an altar on the, on the, on the altar for, for your life so that the plague can't touch your life again. Now let's do it with the other part of this thing. You know, we say that sin itself produces decay. What we do with that? Jesus paid with his blood. Now, but sin produces decay, like we said, on its own. I'm not talking of penalty. I'm talking of that sin. That law said that sin produces decay. You say this body is dead because of sin. It produces decay on its own. But because the blood washed us, when we are joined to Christ and the spirit of Christ comes into you and is joined to your spirit, by the power of that spirit, it solves that decay in your, body, in your life. The result is that even though this body will decay, but you will live your life according to divine will. Because Jesus said, I come to do the will of God. So you live out your life according to divine will. The power of Christ in you, the life-giving spirit in you, will not allow this body Sickness to attack you. It will not. But this body will keep going old. But it will go, grow old according to divine timetable for your life. So nobody will dismantle that timetable, cause sickness or whatever. When it's time, when God's time for you comes, you go. Second, First Corinthians 6.17 but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. If you join to the Lord, you become one spirit with him. And the scripture calls Jesus a life-giving spirit. So when you join to a life-giving spirit, what do you think is happening? The, the, the life in Christ is flowing through your spirit and, and touching your body. And when it touches your body, it kills this. It kills. It, we, we say God is of a pure height to behold iniquity. You know, iniquity also includes sickness. Sickness is iniquity. Death is an enemy. If it touches you, kiss it right away. There's no question of whether I will kill it. Finish it. Snuff life out of it. Immediately. Dies. It dies. So it can't function. That agent of death, jam, whatever, whatever sickness it is, that power of Christ, kiss it right away. Destroys it. Because iniquity does not come where God is. It kills it. 
First Corinthians 15, 45. The scripture tells us the first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. A life-giving spirit. So when it's in you and it's giving life to your dead-prone body, this body, sustaining it, just like the Bible says, when the spirit of a man lives, his body dies. Which means it's your spirit sustaining When the spirit of Christ is in you, it brings a greater sustenance to your flesh. More than your spirit was doing alone. It keeps it going. That's why I say it renews your ego. It renews your youth like what? That's a thing. He said, if you use your mouth with good things, so your youth is renewed like a... That's what it does. It keeps renewing it. <laughs> Flowing through it. It will go, but not, but not by sickness. Psalm 91, 16. With long life will I satisfy him. And show him my salvation. What's he saying? I'll demonstrate the reality of his redemption by keeping him alive and satisfying him. Death will not, I mean, sickness or all this will not take him. I will keep him alive. I continuously reveal to him that I'm the Lord that healed him. His, my power is working in him. I'm showing him the benefits of his salvation. This David talking ahead of his time. Ahead of his time. Show him my salvation. Genesis 25.8. We have the blessings of Abraham, right? Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age. An old man. And full of years and was gathered to his people. Good old age. Satisfied. He went home. Exodus 23, 26. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. So everybody has number. That's what he's saying. He said, you won't die premature. Death, no, no. All this sickness, no. Plague won't kill you. But there's a number. The Bible says, give us wisdom to count our days to know there's a number to it. Everybody has a number that God has given him, created him to live. And he said, I will fulfill those number of your days. I'll fulfill it. You are not going to quit because cancer came. No, it won't come. Because if it comes, I kill it. You stay and fulfill my will for you. Why I created you is to fulfill those number of years and I use it for the purpose I created you. So you can go home. God is a good father. He said, look at Abraham. I used him to finish everything. At good old age, he gathered with his Fathers will. One thing I know that God will not create vacuum in your family. He will keep you. If you walk in faith, you're not going. You won't leave vacuum. You're not going to leave vacuum. You know, they said to Jesus, Do you know that Herod is planning to kill you? He said, Go and tell that first, I'm here today and I'm here tomorrow. And on the third day, I finish. Quit means God, you can't stop God in his plan. You're wasting your time. Who is Herod? He said, I'll be here today and I'll be here tomorrow until I finish. <laughs> so he can't do anything. That's what he's saying. 
And then when they came, he said, this is your now time. He said, have I not been with you in your in synagogue and you couldn't do anything? He said, but according to divine timetable for my life, this is your time. Divine timetable. He said, the number of your days, when I created you, you have a number of days. They can't snuff you out. When it's time, I will let you know that my son is time to come home. I look around and I say, yeah, dad. I think I've done all I need to do here. And then you smile home. Angels will come, take you home. Praise the Lord. He healed them all. Heal them all. What we're teaching is the Bible. It's right here. He said, I will satisfy you. The number of your days, I will keep it. Jesus said, they can't snuff you out of my hand. Or take you from me. Look at John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I come that we might have life. And not just small life. And that you may have, that you may have it more abundant. I'm here to keep giving life to you more. To your mortal bodies, to your spirit, your mortal bodies. Romans 8 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies. By the same spirit living within you. Mortal body is this one. So I'll give life. Renew your youth like that of an After you talk of miracle. Oh, Abraham had Isaac, right? Am I right? But he had six more children after that. Did you know that the man married a young girl? God renewed his youth after Isaac. You thought God said, ah, I managed to do this. Hey. Abraham, oh, hey, yeah, this one was tough for me. I managed, you know. No, no. He went and married a young girl called Ketura. And that girl had six more children. We're talking of Abraham had Isaac. We're not thinking that Abraham had extra six more children. A covenant man. Hundred years old, married a young girl, and has his much children. When God says a thing, it's not vain word. What he says is what he does. He says, I'm God Almighty, I do what I please. Can I hear him? So he said, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Your spirit is joined to Christ, become one now. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Yes, let me read TPT. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Breathes life. Checks it. 
There's a power that walketh in. So a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and has suffered many things from many, from many physicians. There's somebody, you're listening to this message, you, you trust God for a, 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 a child. Just this evening, I, I, you are giving a baby boy. I don't know where you are, but you are, as I was sharing this, you are, your spirit caught on this, you are giving a baby boy. I'm trying, the name is coming to me, but I'm not hearing, it's coming to me, but not, it's like, it's coming, but I'm not getting clearer. The name is, say the name shall be, the name is not. If I hear the name before we end, I'll let you know. But it's coming to me, but it's like, it's like come faint, it come, come it's faint. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood, Flow of blood. Let's rise up and worship him.